This is the Rod Langway Fan Club. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. This is the Rod Langway Fan Club Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Roman. I'm joined by my co-hosts, a couple of guys who I was not able to deal at the trade deadline, Mr. Mark Chekanita. Yeah, I spent the whole morning on the phone with my agent. I'm kind of surprised to still be here, but uh, thanks for the vote of confidence, I guess. <laughs> and John Snowden. Yeah, I was looking to get out of here too, but uh, here I am. You know, boys, I tried really hard to get rid of you. I wanted to trade you for a few prospects, but just couldn't make it happen. Well, to be fair, I'm a bit of a cancer in the locker room. So. I think I'm a team player. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> we are coming at you from the heart of Asia, Taipei, Taiwan. We are here in our studio overlooking the beautiful Heping Riverside Park, as always. And we're named after Rod Langway, the only man to be born in Taiwan to play in the NHL. Yeah, uh, double Norris Trophy winner. So what a, what a man he was. A great man. The reason I get out of bed every morning. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And a Hall of Famer to boot. Uh, yeah. yeah. He was also involved in a blockbuster deal as he was dealt from the Montreal Canadiens to the Washington Capitals way back when. And uh, that's kind of an apropos thing given that we will be breaking down the trade deadline today. What else is going on on the show today, Jeff? Yeah, well, there's going to be lots to discuss at the uh, NHL trade deadline. But we're also going to talk about the bubble teams. Yeah, some of the teams that are right on the cusp of making the playoffs, and we're going to try and determine whether we think they are in or out. We're also going to delve into the murky depths of the conspiracy world NHL style as we do our second season of NHL Conspiracies. And then we'll end off with another edition of Ask the Commission. Yeah, uh, you can ask Commissioner Jeff Rolliman anything you like. Uh, send emails, rodlangwayfanclub at gmail.com or tweets at rodlangwayfanclub. We're all still looking for our first Morse code message as well. I've got the machine fired up just in case. Okay, so let's get it started in here. John, that was interesting. What was that? S uh, Star Trek, you know, the beam me up, the transporter. Okay, why? Well, teams are moving around. They're just moving and shaking. People yeah. are being transported. Bodies flying around at high speeds. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, perhaps there was no team busier at the trade deadline than the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. Ottawa shipped out Mark Stone, Ryan Dezingle, and Matt Duchesne. Some big trades in the nation's capital. Yeah. So Mark Stone goes to the Las Vegas Golden Knights. I think that's probably the biggest move of the whole deadline. What do we think about this? Well, I, I'm not surprised that he went. Uh, it was pretty obvious that everyone wanted out of Ottawa. And I know they tried their best for him. But when you look at the contract that he got from Vegas, $9.5 million a year. How is Ottawa going to match that? Yeah, the old sign and trade. You don't see those very often anymore, do you? But uh, I know a lot of people are underwhelmed by the return. But uh, I really think that Brandstrom is an elite puck-moving defenseman. And he's going to look really nice next to Shabbat. So... Sure, they didn't get the first round pick, but this guy is pretty much a sure thing at this point, I think. Yeah, I think it's the best asset that uh, that Ottawa got at the trade deadline. So so good for them. I mean, if you want to get something for, for a top player, they I think they did. There was a second round pick included in that package as well, so that yep. could turn out to be something. Yep. He's a great two-way player. Yeah, they have a really nice set of forwards. I'm a little worried with their back end, though, still. I thought they might address that. Yeah, it looks like Vegas, though, is going to roll with two pretty solid lines. You could make an argument for three once they get their full lineup back. Eric Hall is about ready to return from injury as well. Yeah, so I guess the question is, does this put uh, Vegas over the top? Are they uh, a contender now? 
I feel like they were already a contender. Maybe we can put them into the upper tier of contenders now, as opposed to that kind of second level of contenders. Yeah, I mean, are are they up there with the Winnipegs and San Jose's? I, I think they probably are. I don't see why not. If Marc-Andre Fleury can play the way he did last year in the playoffs, minus the Stanley Cup Finals, of course, uh, I don't see any reason why not. Definitely. Yeah. And the other trade partner for the Ottawa Senators, a team that really is all in, is the Columbus Blue Jackets. I, I can't believe it. I mean, I don't think too many people saw this coming. Everybody was thinking, are they going to keep Bobrovsky and Panarin, or are they going to trade them? I don't think too many people thought they're going to keep them and double down and pick up two of the best uh, players that were available, or at least one in Duchesne. And Dzingle, I think, is a pretty good uh, sort of depth player. So they're all in making a run. Yeah, the double down, I mean, it's it's gutsy. I haven't seen a GM make a gutsy move like this in a long time. And if this works out, this will be legendary. This will go down as one of the all-time great GM moves in sports history. But we got to look at the flip side too, guys. Not only are they giving up assets to get these unrestricted free agents, but now they're not getting assets for the guys they could have shipped out. So if this does not end in a Stanley Cup win and all these guys walk... What a disaster that will be for that franchise. I don't know if I would go quite that far. I mean, Columbus has never won a playoff series, let's remember. I think they just want to win one, or maybe two. I think that would be a win. Yeah, this this is a team that's been basically irrelevant their entire existence. I think it's kind of cool that they've decided to make a bit of a splash. Yeah, and, and maybe, maybe, if they could make it to the conference final, maybe Panarin will want to stay, or maybe Bobrovsky will want to stay. And maybe they can assemble a pretty good roster for next season as well, if they have some success. I guess we'll see. Uh, I, I love it, though. I'm really pulling for them now. They're kind of uh, the new story that's emerged out of nowhere. and I, hope, I think a lot of people are going to be on board with them now. Yeah, big gamble. I love and it. And do you think that Ottawa got enough for Dezingle and Duchesne? I like the return for Dezingle. I mean, two second-round picks. And Anthony Duclair, I know he's had a bit of a rough go here. He's still pretty young. He's still got some talent. So for, you know, Dezingle was a guy that at the start of the year, no one really thought about as a, as a player that would get anything at the deadline. They got to be happy with that return. Yeah, I mean, Duclair could become a player. Um, and a couple picks. Yeah, and for Duchesne, I mean, of course, you get, you get a first. First-round pick, which is nice. And then the conditional. First-round pick as well, yeah. So they could get two firsts out of this, assuming Duchesne resigns. Yeah, and they got uh, two sort of uh, mid-level prospects. Yeah, so I, I don't think it's terrible. I think, you know, if you're an Ottawa fan, I think this is as good as a return you could hope for, especially given the the fiasco that surrounded the Eric Carlson trade. Yeah, a lot of people are like, how is Pierre Dorian even around to be making these big trades? But all in all, I think he did pretty good considering. Yeah, and if you're a Columbus fan, you're definitely over the moon. Yeah, yeah at, least until, at least until the summertime. Sure, well, yeah. then you've got an army of unrestricted free agents. We'll see how that goes. But I think for now, let's just strap in and get ready for the ride. Yes, I sure do hope they make the playoffs, though. Another team that was pretty busy at the trade deadline was the Nashville Predators, as they acquired Wayne Simmons for Ryan Hartman and Michael Granlund for Kevin Fiala. Yeah, everyone knew Simmons was going to go somewhere, and I know Nashville was one of the front runners. and I really like this move for Nashville. They've got the second-worst power play in the league right now, 
And if there's one thing Wayne Simmons can still do, it's deflect pucks and just be a presence in front of the net. I think this is the missing piece on their power play. He is a real warrior. I, I love Simmons, but man, he's been really banged up the last couple of years. That, that would be my one concern. I mean, is this the Simmons of two years ago? I, I do agree he can improve the power play, but I hope he, you know, he can be the guy that he was. And I'm not sure that he is. I, I don't think he needs to be the guy that he was. I think they have a pretty defined role for him in mind, and I think he can fulfill it. Yeah, so what about even strength, though? Is he going to add that scoring punch that, that they need? I mean, their top scorer is Ryan Johansson, and I don't know. He's not in the elite level of scorers. In no, the you probably want to keep his minutes around, I'd say, 15, 14 minutes a game. Keep him fresh for when you need him. And they'd already made a, a deal for Brian Boyle, so they've certainly gotten a little grittier. Yeah, they're bigger. I'm, I'm just not sure that's what Nashville needed. I kind of yeah. wanted to see Nashville add well, a little finesse. I mean, what do you think of the other move they made? They picked up the, the Granlin for Fiala. I thought that was a bit of a head scratch for Minnesota, but I thought Granlin was a nice pickup for Nashville. Well, absolutely. I mean, Granlin is more of a high-paced kind of player, and that's the way Nashville likes to play, run and gun up and down the ice. I think, uh, you know, since Fiala broke his ankle a few years ago, he doesn't have the same pace to his game. Um, he's still young, though, so I, I, I'm guessing Minnesota wants the younger player, hoping he can refine that form that he had a few years ago. Uh, yeah, I, I really like Granlin as a player. Um, he's right in his prime. He is the kind of guy that I think Nashville could use, except for the fact that I think he's a, a pass-first kind of guy rather than a shoot-first kind of guy. And I would have liked to see them add somebody who could really pot the puck. I mean, he's broken the 20-goal mark a few times, though, hasn't he? He has. He well, has. that's nothing to sneeze at. It's nothing to sneeze at, but I, I think he almost passes first to a fault. I think he's the kind of guy who should who should shoot more. A bit like Ryan Getzlaff, you know? Sometimes you see Getzlaff with the puck, and you're like, shoot, 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 because he can, but he just defaults to the pass. Yeah, we've talked about it before. Does Nashville have that game-breaker? They've been looking for one for a long time. Um, Simmons and Granlin, is that enough to put them over the hump? Well, I mean... Philip Forsberg is an elite game breaker, so let's not pretend that they don't have any. Uh, yeah, I just I don't think it is quite enough to put Nashville over the top with those other teams in the West. There, you're looking at your Winnipeg's, you're looking at your Calgary's, San Jose's, and as we just said, Vegas. I, I don't know if it is. I disagree. I would say that they are now the front runner in the West. I wow. think this is going to wow. be enough. Well, we'll uh, we'll find out during the stretch run. Yeah. Um, another team that made a pretty big deal was your Winnipeg Jets, John, as they traded Kevin... They acquired Kevin Hayes um, from the New York Rangers for Brendan Lemieux. And a first-round pick, which is the real piece. Also of note in this trade, I think is pretty interesting, a conditional fourth-round pick if the Jets win the Cup, which is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think every single trade going forward should have this condition. <laughs> if you yeah. win the Cup... Come on, just toss us a fourth. You'll yeah, be so really happy you won't not. even notice. You won't even remember. Yeah. 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 So, John, what are your thoughts on this guy? Um, Hayes is obviously, he's a big guy, and yeah. he's going to probably be slotted into play maybe second line center. That's where they're hoping, yeah. But the nice thing about Kevin Hayes is he can kind of put him anywhere. Um, he can play the power play. He can kill penalties. He can play second line. He could play third line. He could even play fourth line. And if you need him to slot in on the first line, I think he can do it. He's not going to drive production up there. But if somebody got hurt, I think it's a, it's a good spot for him. So I, I think it's a great move for the Jets. Uh, I really hope it pans out. Um, we'll see how it goes. Well, you look at last year getting a center, Paul Stasny. If it can work out that well for them, I think they'll be happy. I'm just not sure he's that same kind of player. He doesn't have that playmaking ability. No, he's, he's not a Paul Stastny. I would say he's more of a Swiss Army knife than Paul Stastny was without the, the, up, the offensive upside. 
Um, but I think he adds a little more depth in other areas, especially defensive play, which is something the Jets have struggled with, especially over the last few weeks. Most people knew that that first round draft pick was definitely in play. Um, but you guys managed to, the Winnipeg Jets managed to hold on to a lot of their elite level prospects. But what do you think of Brendan Lemieux for uh, the Rangers? Oh, I, I like him. I think the Rangers will appreciate him. He's the, he's the kind of player you love to have on your team and hate to play against. That's right. Now he's the son of the infamous Claude Lemieux. Yeah, and uh, he is certainly his uh, father's son. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, do you really want to get rid of that uh, playoff? pedigree though you know his old man was such a playoff pro would have been kind of cool to see uh, his son in action in the playoffs i guess we'll never know now yeah i agree it was kind of sad to see him go but uh you know i wish him the best and stay out of trouble yeah i'm sure he'll be a a fan favorite at madison square gardens yeah okay. sharks yeah. yeah another team that made a deal at the deadline i'm not sure if they needed it but they got another great forward as the san jose sharks acquire gustav nyquist from the detroit red wings yeah, robbery literally in the middle of the night. This trade came just after midnight Eastern time. And I really think the price tag was quite reasonable for a player of this caliber. Do you? I actually thought they maybe could have got a little more, no? Yeah, he he's having what seems to be a career year. And at points in his career, he has shown flashes of greatness. Um, I think he's going to fit in great on an already stacked San Jose Sharks lineup. What forward depth they've got. Yeah, I mean, if they stay healthy and, well, it's really going to come down to goaltending, which is something they didn't address. I was a little surprised they didn't go after maybe a guy like Jimmy Howard, but uh, you got to love the scoring. Yeah, I mean, uh, so so again, another team in the West that is just loading up at the deadline. Uh, this is scary. The West is looking like a gauntlet. Good luck to any of these teams to make it all the way through to the Stanley Cup final and then beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, of course, there were several other, you know, sort of minor deals. Um, one of the ones that caught my eye was the Derek Broussard trade to the Colorado Avalanche. Um, it's the third team that he'll be playing for this season, and I thought it was good for Colorado. They needed a second-line center. Yeah, they could definitely use a little more depth up front. Um, the one that really caught my eye, and I, I wouldn't say it's minor, uh, I think it's going to be pretty significant. Uh, Buffalo picked up a really nice defenseman, Brandon Montour. He's still young. He's a puck-moving defenseman. Um, Anaheim, I don't know what they're thinking. If they're thinking rebuild, why would they not want Montour to be part of this rebuild? Um, Bob Murray obviously did not like what he saw after taking over behind the bench. A puzzling move from a team that's made a lot of puzzling moves over the last few years. Yeah, I agree. Great move, Buffalo. Kind of a strange move for Anaheim. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I love those three defensemen now in Buffalo. The, the two Rasmuses. Uh, Darlene and Ristolainen, and then Montour. They I mean, should just change his name to Rasmus yeah, Montour. Yeah, Rasmus Montour. It's got a nice <laughs> ring to it. It'd be great. Yeah. And I know, John, you wanted to highlight some of the deals that maybe weren't made by teams. Where did you want to start there? Well, Calgary did not make any deals. I mean, they are right there at the top of the league, second place in the league right now, first in the West, and uh, did not make a move. Um, so I don't know if that speaks to their confidence in their position or just the fact that they think that they're young enough and, you know, are confident moving forward that they're still going to have a good team. Well, their GM came out and said, we almost made a significant move, but didn't. In the end, we didn't want to part with any significant assets. What's the point in even coming out yeah, and saying that? I thought that, that was a little yeah, strange. Sounds like a great press conference. Yeah. I know the Toronto Maple Leafs, they only made a really minor deal trading um, Par Lindholm for Nick Batan. Yeah. Well, the they made their big move a few weeks earlier again, Jake Muzzin, right? Yeah. So they were kind of out of assets at that point. Um, I found it a little puzzling that the Edmonton Oilers did not do anything. Yeah, I know. I, I heard that they really wanted to get rid of some of the salary, but, I mean, they couldn't. Yeah. Well, I think those kinds of moves will be more for the offseason. Yeah. They're in no rush to do anything. I think they're just going to play out the string. 
Yeah, I mean, it looks like they're probably out of the playoffs, which is uh, pretty sad if you're an Edmonton Oilers fan. Um, Tampa Bay didn't make any moves, but I don't know. Do they even need yeah. to? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what's I think they've got everything they need, so it's just hope that they can be healthy going into the playoffs. And, uh, yeah, I they're the overwhelming favorite in my mind, and that's probably why some of these other teams felt like they had to do something. Yeah, I think it's just lock and load for T-Bay. And Boston is obviously trying to catch up with them. They made a couple of couple of deals. Yeah, they were big game hunting, and they didn't pull down any of the top catches, but I think they did all right. Uh, I think Johansson was a nice under-the-radar ad from the Devils. He's finally healthy now, and he's been playing about a point-a-game clip for the last few weeks here. And Charlie Coyle, uh, he could be a player for them as well. Yeah, they had to give up Ryan Zanato, and some people would say that they gave up a little too early on a guy who was looking really good at the end of last season. Uh, so hopefully he fits in well in Minnesota. He's already scored a goal for the Wild. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, they were really quiet. Yeah, I mean, we're used to seeing them grab somebody big at the deadline, a winger to play with Crosby or Malkin, but nothing nothing this year. I think this might be the end of their playoff run. Uh, they're in trouble. They're right on the cusp of missing the playoffs. They've got injuries on the blue line. They did add Erica Branson, but yeah, I don't think yeah. that's going to be enough. I would say that's a downgrade on Jamie Alexiak, to be honest. Um, yeah. And, you know, sometimes it just doesn't always work out as the Dallas Stars picked up Matt Zuccarello. Tough break, both literally and figuratively speaking, as he breaks his arm after scoring a goal and an assist in his debut for the Stars. What yeah. a shame. Yeah. They really needed that depth scoring in Big yeah. D. Yeah, I mean, he's out for uh, at least a month, uh, possibly longer. So that, that hurts. It's something you never want to see. All right, and thank you for that, boys. And so ends another NHL trade deadline. John, hit the music. <laughs> Dress to the T from head to toe. The two the latest fans, where do you go? When you dress to the T from head to toe, the two the latest fans, where do you go? Where's the party at? Where's the party at? We're back. Great tune, John. Yes, that was Stan Arrington with Beam Me Up. All right, boys. So this is the stretch run. This is probably one of my most uh, favorite times of the year. You know, ever since the NHL switched to the uh, one-point loser point system, uh, things have been really tight in the standings, and a lot of teams get pretty deep into the season still having playoff aspirations. And this year is no different with a lot of teams fighting for those last few spots. Yeah, I mean, for those teams, every game is super meaningful, so it's fun for fans. Yeah, it's really the beginning of playoff-style hockey. You know, we get it a couple of weeks early. Yeah, it is a really long season, but this is when every game is so meaningful. Uh, we've got teams battling for division leads, teams battling for home ice. But what we're going to do here is focus on those teams that are on the bubble. Uh, you guys can't see this, but it's just beautiful in here. We've got little soap bubbles floating around everywhere. Who is responsible for this? Yeah, John, we've got a bubble machine going on here. Yeah, I've been storing in the green room. Uh, I thought I'd bring it out this time of year. It's a bit fun. It'll be running continuously um, until we finally determine the playoff races. <laughs> That's funny because I've actually been starting off every morning with a bubble bath in honor of uh, my bubble team, the Montreal Canadiens, who may be in the mix for a playoff spot. Good for you. Well, let's start out east. Um... We've got four teams fighting for three spots. Now, we've broken it down to Pittsburgh, Carolina, Montreal, and Columbus. We should mention that Buffalo, Florida, and Philly are still technically alive, but uh, they're pretty far out at this point, so it would take a minor miracle to get in. 
And as our studio begins to fill up with bubbles here, we should probably get started. Uh, let's begin with the Pittsburgh Penguins, guys. What are, you, what are your thoughts on this team right now? Just weird seeing them in this position. You know, usually by now they've got a spot pretty much sewn up, but it's been a struggle. Um, right now it's injuries. Their decor has been absolutely decimated. They lost two players in the same shift in Philadelphia a little while back. And with Dumoulin and Latang on the shelf, I just don't know if they have the horses to get in. Yeah, they need those two back and healthy. Yeah, um, of course. They've got uh, Crosby and Malkin. Is that going to be enough to drag them in? Yeah, when you've got Crosby and Malkin and you throw in Kessel, uh, that's a three-headed monster, and I think that's probably enough to get them in. I don't know. Another question mark, though, has been the play of goaltender Matt Murray. He's battled injuries, and when he has been in there, he's shown flashes of Vesna form, and then at other times he's been letting in goals that an AHL goalie should be able to stop. So if he can't improve his game, then I just don't think they're going to have enough to get in. Yeah, and I also wonder just about their, their depth scoring beyond those top three guys. Uh, of course, they've got Getzel and uh, Hornquist. Um, and, you know, the guys that they acquired in the trade from Florida, um, Nick Butsad and uh, Jared McCann from Stratford, Ontario, um, they fit in pretty well. Yeah, they've been playing okay. Yeah, the bottom uh, forwards are going to have to contribute a little bit more because I think they're going to have trouble keeping the puck out of their own net. Next up, we have the Columbus Blue Jackets, the team that we talked a lot about in our trade deadline segment. Yeah, um, the scary thing for them is despite all of these additions, they are not guaranteed to get into the playoffs and they're going to have to fight tooth and nail to make the playoffs. Yeah, but you got to like their, their depth at forward. I mean, all, you know, Panarin, Duchesne, Atkinson, uh, Dubois. Uh, they got a lot of firepower up there um, and some of their grit is nice as well. Yeah, I really like those gritty guys like uh, Dubinsky and um, Boone Jenner and Felino. I think those guys could be really clutch come playoff time, and hopefully it's enough to you know get them into the playoffs too. Absolutely, but one thing to keep in mind is when you do add as many new players as they have added, uh, it's going to take that team a little bit of time to gel, and time is not really something that they have right now, so they're going to have to start winning right away. Um, so the transitional period could actually be a bit of a problem for them, I think. And what about the blue line there? Yeah, I like the blue line, especially their top two, Zach Wierenski and uh, Seth Jones. That's a great one-two punch. Um, do they have enough depth there? Uh, they did add Adam McQuaid, so he could help on the bottom pairing. Um, but Ryan Murray's been a little bit banged up, so they'll probably need him to be healthy down the stretch, or that could be a problem. Yeah, McQuaid's another guy that adds a little bit of sandpaper back there. And what about the goaltending? Um, Bobrovsky didn't have a great start to the season, but he seems like he's rounding into form now. Yeah, uh, he's been pretty good in the last few weeks. Uh, they've also picked up a third goalie, which is a little strange. They got Keith Kincaid, and a lot of people actually thought that would signal Bobrovsky being shipped out of town, but he's still there, so uh, they've got three options with Corpusalo as well. Yeah, they need those guys to be consistent. It's been a problem in Columbus, consistent goaltending, so if they can get that, I, I do like their chances. Let's move on then to the Montreal Canadiens. Mark. Uh, Mark, I'm sure you have a lot to say about your favorite team, so what do you wanna, where do you want to begin? Well, it all starts in the crease with all-star goaltender Carey Price, and he has been back to all-star form here this season. If he can keep up the play that he's been giving the team for most of the season, then it's hard to write this team off. One of the things I worry about with Montreal is they, you know, they don't really have a game-breaker. It seems like they've been doing scoring by committee all season. Is it enough? Well, 5-on-5, five five, actually, they've been one of the better teams, 5-on-5. Five five. The real issue is with their league-worst power play. Uh, they have some pretty talented guys to put on that power play with Shea Weber's big bomb. Jonathan Drouin is a pretty slick player, but they're just not scoring on the power play. And a lot of games, it costs the momentum. So that could be a problem. 
Yeah, on the in these key games, special teams can be you know the most important thing. So if you're not getting it done there, uh, you know that could be a big problem. Claude Julian, he's done a really good job there, but I, I the the defense really has a lot of questions. Yeah, they've been mostly stable actually. Uh, Jeff Petrie's been an absolute revelation this season. Uh, but the key is going to be that top pairing of Shea Weber and Victor Mete. Now, Mete's looked pretty good alongside Weber for most of the year, but uh, the games are going to get tougher, and he's not a big guy, and he still lacks experience. So I'm not sure if he's up to the task, and that's going to be a really big factor down the stretch. And next, we got to talk about one of the biggest surprises this season, the Carolina Hurricanes. They're right in the mix. Yeah, if you look at their roster construction, I do really like it. Sebastian Aho, Aho has had a, a fantastic yeah, what season. a season there. Yeah, he, it's really been a breakout year for him. Um, and then, you know, I really like Michael Furland, what he's done. Um, Tara Vinen's been playing pretty well. And, of course, the addition of Nina Ryder. Um, that's been great for them. Yeah, well, speaking of additions, maybe their biggest addition is getting Jordan Stallback healthy. He's one of those guys you can throw out there in any situation, and that's going to be massive for them as they push for the playoffs. Yeah, his experience could be a big difference maker for them down the stretch. And I really like the defense in Carolina. I think that's one of their biggest strengths. Sure. Uh, the goalies, I'm not so sure about. Mrazic and McElhaney, I'm not sure. They've been good this year, but... Can they keep it up for the next 20 games? That's the thing, right? I mean, they don't really have the, the name, the star power, but uh, both those goalies have played pretty well so far this season. If they can hold it together down the stretch, there's a good chance they'll be in. So we've got four teams, only three spots. Who's in, who's out, guys? Yeah, well, who is the one? Who's the odd team oh, out here? So it's Mark, call. I really hate to uh, burst your bubble, but out of those four teams, I think the team that's going to be out is the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, spoken like a true Leafs fan. <laughs> Well, John? Yeah, I mean, I, I have to agree with you. I, I just think they're too young, too inexperienced. I don't think they have what it takes to, to win those big games down the stretch. Having flashbacks to the boat of confidence here, guys. You yeah. know what happened last time? I'm getting back in that water for my Habs. I think they're going to get in there, and I actually think it's going to be the Pittsburgh Penguins who miss out way Whoa. too many holes really? on the back end. And I'm just not confident in Matt Murray right now. He's looked shaky. Yeah, well, they're certainly playing with fire right now. And and you do like Carolina then, Mark. Well, Carolina, we forgot about one thing. They have a secret weapon. They're undefeated when they wear their Hartford Whalers jersey. Whalers jersey. Whalers jersey. Whalers jersey. Whalers jersey. Mark? What are you doing? I was, I was just thinking. What are you thinking about? 1988. 89 Hartford Whalers. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, a team of geniuses. They had three head coaches. Oh, yeah. Dave Tippett. John Anderson and Joel Quenville. Coach Q. Hey, that team had two general managers, too. Ron Francis. Don Maloney. Baloney. Maloney, baloney. <laughs> Goes good with Babbage. Mm. Babbage, Maloney. 
sandwich. Woo! Oh, all right, we're back. Yeah. Uh, what happened there? It's a bit weird. I don't know, guys. I, I feel like I'm somewhat responsible, but uh, I think we're out west now. Yeah. Okay, we're out west. Jeez, I feel like I was floating in one of these bubbles that's going around the studio right now. Well, Jeff has always been known as a bit of an airhead, so I guess that's somewhat appropriate. <laughs> Thank you, Mark, for that. All right, so in the west, um, we, we're going to focus on four teams. Yeah, so four teams just like the East. Uh, this case, though, there are only two spots up for grabs, so it's a little bit more competitive. So we've got the Minnesota Wild, the Colorado Avalanche, the Dallas Stars, and the Arizona Coyotes. Now, we should mention that Chicago and Vancouver still have a prayer, but it's a long-distance shot. They're going to have to go on a huge winning streak to get back in the conversation. Yeah, we're saying they're not on the bubble. So uh, should we start with Mini then? Start with Minnesota? Yeah, that sounds good. Really strange, some of the deadline moves that they made. I almost feel like they've resigned themselves. They might not make it. Yeah, it was a little bit like what St. Louis did last year when they, when they traded away Paul Stastny to Winnipeg, and they were right in, on the cusp of making it, and they kind of gave up. So is this a similar thing here in Minnesota? I wouldn't go as far to say that they've given up. I think they are hedging their bets a little bit. Uh, but if you look at the three trades that they have made, they've gotten back three pretty decent roster players in all of those moves. So... They're still in there. Let's not write them off. Uh, their veterans have been responding. That's right. I mean, th those veterans with uh, Eric Stahl, who mm -hmm. they've re-signed. Um, they've also got uh, Parise, um, Suter on the blue line. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Devin Dubnik has been playing pretty well for them, um, right when they need him most. So if he can continue this play, you know, maybe they can sneak in. Yeah, they're going to really be relying on those veterans down the stretch. Yeah. And what about uh, another team in the Central Division, the uh, Colorado Avalanche? Do they have enough to get into the playoffs? Well, I think we've got two main factors. I want to touch on the first one, and that's the goaltending. It was really bad for a lot of the year, but in the last 10, 15 games here, uh, Simeon Varlamov has been outstanding, and if he can play that well, then I'm not going to count them out. You know, I, I seem to remember having this conversation about Colorado last season, and, and the issue seems to remain the same. That top line was great for most of the season. They've tailed off a little bit. So do they have enough secondary scoring to, to give them that push to get in? Yeah, they don't really have any big names on that second line, third line. Well, they did pick up Derek Broussard. He's a nice player, and I think he's going to get more of a chance to be an offensive contributor. So he could be a difference maker. Yeah, they've also got Kerfoot. And uh, JT Kompfer. Tyson Jost has been looking good. He's one of their first-round picks from a few years back, and he's finally starting to fulfill his promise. Yep, Soderberg. I just don't know. I yeah, just don't know I, if I it's enough. Know. Yeah. Well, who's next then? All right. Well, maybe we should probably talk about the Dallas Stars. They've kind of had an up-and-down year. I mean, I think it's kind of similar problems to, to Colorado. Um, again, secondary scoring. Ben and Sagan. Sagan's been great recently. But, uh, you know, do they have enough depth guys to make up when uh, you know other teams are able to shut down their top scorers. And as with any team, but especially with Dallas, health has been an issue. Now, they oh, acquired yeah. Zuccarello to address the scoring issue. He went down immediately. He will not be back before the playoffs start. Hopefully they can get there. Uh, Jamie Benn, their captain, he's been banged up. He's kind of been in and out of the lineup recently. And Ben Bishop, uh, he is just back from injury, but we know that he has a history of injuries, so he's going to have to be healthy and sharp down the stretch. Yeah, they really need Bishop healthy. And then moving on, what about the Arizona Coyotes? Wow, injuries there again is the yeah, story too. They've, they've been, had so many injuries yeah. this year. Devastating. It's amazing they're even in the mix at this point. Yeah, well, I mean, I really look at that team, and they don't really have a, a star player. But when you throw in um, Galchenyuk and Keller and, of course, um, OEL, Oliver Ekman-Larsen back there on the blue line. It's not bad. 
Yeah. And Connor Garland has been a nice story for them. Uh, he's been providing some of that scoring that they, they do need. It's a shame that Ranta went down, but Kempfer has been pretty good in goal. Yeah, he's been a surprise for them. Uh, Ranta is back on skates. Uh, it looks like he probably won't come back this season, but there is a glimmer of hope, so you never know. Well, for the sake of the player's safety, I do hope they get in. Rick Tockett, uh, he can be a tough, a tough cookie. Yes, very tough player. Yeah. I don't know. I think expectations were pretty low, though. I think they'll be happy just to have been in the mix. And if they don't get in there, they're still a team that has to be considered on the rise. So of these four teams to make it in, um, what are you guys going to say here? Well, I think it's pretty obvious. I think Colorado and Dallas are probably the best two teams in that bunch, and they will emerge. Yeah, Mark, actually, I'm going to agree with you um, exactly with those two teams, uh, which would leave um, Arizona and Minnesota on the outside. What about you, John? Well, you know, I think we're going to go uh, consensus here. I, I also agree. Yeah, yeah. We don't often do that. I don't really like agreeing with you guys. It makes but, me a little uh, sick to my stomach yeah. just to agree with you guys. Yeah, But Colorado and, and Dallas, I just think they have a little more scoring, and I think that's going to be enough to get them in. Well, time will tell. Uh, you guys can't see this at home, but uh, the bubble machine has started malfunctioning, and it's a bit of a mess in here. I can barely see it. Uh, it's just all bubbles right now, so we're going to have to crack a window and deal with the situation. So yeah, please I, bear with us. We'll be back in I a I think we're going to have to uh, take a break here. Um, John, hit the music. That was Men Without Hats with the 1987 track, Pop Goes the World. Oh yeah, I remember that one. It was more of a safety dance guy myself, though. Good band, solid band, Montreal. That's right, Canadian band. Yeah. So I look up at the board here and it says um, conspiracy theories. Does that mean we finally get to address the elephant in the room here, boys? Who's trying to take over the Rod Langway podcast here? Uh no, no, that's not what we're, we're doing Unmasked, remember? Oh, Unmasked! From last season. Yeah, you're we did. paranoid, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay, Unmasked, yes. where we look at conspiracies and mysteries in the hockey world. That's right. All right, yeah. well, let's get to Unmasked. We are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies. You are fake news. Not only has it not been released, NASA destroyed it. The Earth is flat and motionless and has a dome called the firmament. There is at last convincing evidence of a gunman up on the grassy knoll. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay! Too many secrets. Now, maybe it's a sign of the times, but there are a lot of conspiracy theories that are floating around out there. And the hockey world is not immune, apparently. So where do we want to begin here? Well, I think we should begin where we left off last season. Last season, we alluded to the fact that we're going to touch on a story about the mumps outbreak in the NHL, uh, but we weren't quite ready to go to press with it. Yeah, so that took place in uh, the fall and winter of 2014, and uh, six teams were affected by it. It was a pretty big story around the league. Uh, Connor Morrison, our investigative journalist, was working on it. He got a huge 
new batch of information right before airtime and wasn't comfortable running the story, but he's had time to put together the facts and what a doozy of a story it turned out to be. Yeah, he's real professional. So, just to recap here, the six teams that were affected... Allegedly. Okay, affected. John, sure. Yeah. Allegedly. Uh, include the St. Louis Blues, the Anaheim Ducks, the Pittsburgh Penguins, New York Rangers, New Jersey Devils, and the Minnesota Wild. And it also affected some prominent players. Yeah, there were some pretty big names affected by this. Uh, Corey Perry, Ryan Suter, Travis Sajak, Patrick Eliash, not to mention Derek Broussard. And perhaps the biggest of them all, Sidney Crosby. Do you remember that? Yeah, do you remember his face? His whole side of the face was swollen up yeah. like a baseball. Yeah. It looks like he took down a whole bag of Big League Chew to himself <laughs> okay, or yeah. something. It's kind of a haunting image. That was freaky. But when our team did a little more digging, we found that this was a story that uh, not a lot of people wanted to talk about and uh, kind of neglected to report on at the time. Yeah, so one thing that we noticed in our research was we were looking at the list of players affected and uh, we were looking for some reason at their nationality and we noticed that um, there were Swedish players, Finnish players, a German player, a Czech player, and of course a lot of Canadians and Americans affected, but not a single Russian player was impacted by this outbreak. That's yeah. right. Yeah, so it was pretty shocking to us. I mean, we looked at it and uh, what did we find out there? Now, the first reports of the outbreak surfaced in December 2014. But our story begins on the evening of November 14th. That was the birthday of former Anaheim Duck Tim Jackman. Now, our team heard from several sources that members of the Ducks gathered at an Orange County home for a catered party to celebrate uh, his birthday. From all descriptions, it, it just seemed like a regular hockey player's mid-season birthday party. Good food, a few light cocktails, friends and girlfriends in attendance, nothing really out of the ordinary. But the one thing that stood out for some of the people in attendance was uh, that for this party, a new catering company was used just as a one-off. And some of the players found that a little unusual. So we did a little digging and we found that the catering company was called Coast Western Catering. And when we looked into them, well, that's when our story really got rolling. Well, yeah, they only were around for a few months. They only did three events. And the three events they did were all to NHL players in the three of the six cities affected by this outbreak. Yeah, New Jersey, Pittsburgh, and then in Orange County there. And we looked into this catering company and we, it was very difficult to find anything. But there was one name that kept popping up, a one Sarah Brown. Yeah, so we tried to track this Sarah Brown down. Uh, it turns out that... Uh, her name was actually linked to that of this other person, or who we thought was another person, Tatiana uh, Actually, this was the same person who had gone under three different names with three different passports. Yeah, and it took a lot of tracking. Like, there was a lot of research. And then finally, when we got a, a hold of this person, um, she didn't really want much to do with us. Um, and Connor had to do a lot of back and forth with her. But finally, she agreed to meet with him. And That's she, right. And she... Switzerland. That's right. She's now Switzerland. she's now living in Switzerland, and um, yeah, she had a lot to say. That's right. She did have a lot to say. Now, Sarah Brown, or do you mean Tatiana? Okay. So yeah. Tatiana is her proper name. Yes. So Tatiana, her background is actually in biochemical engineering, and she worked for the Russian government. We've discovered this. And let's not forget, this is in 2014, just after the fairly humiliating defeat that Russia suffered on home ice in front of Vladimir Putin. Um, so Russia was really looking for an advantage in the upcoming Olympics in, in Korea. So now we fast forward to December 2014, 
And this was kind of the beta test for this new mumps super virus that had been developed. The plan, of course, was to use it again in 2018, right before the Olympics, to uh, take down the top athletes of some of the other hockey powers like Canada, the United States, Sweden, Finland, and so on. And Tatiana, when she actually saw the results of her work, was appalled. Especially when she realized that this was a virus that had been specifically engineered to target non-Russian athletes. So she expressed discomfort with the situation, a lot of concern. Then she got threats from the government, the threats ramped up, and she decided she was out. She fled the country. So then what ended up happening with the program? Well, the program was ultimately shelved. Uh, one of the main factors in that was that NHL players ended up not actually competing at the Olympics. That's right, unfortunately. I think even larger than that was the entire controversy surrounding the Russian Olympic team leading up to 2018. Doping allegations, documentaries made, um, high-level officials implicated. I mean, it was a very big story. So I don't think they were really willing to roll out anything quite as drastic as what they were field testing. So at the end of the day, I think with all the scrutiny that the Russians were under and just the lack of a need with uh, NHL players not going, that the reward was greatly outweighed by the risk and they just decided to shelve the entire program. Tatiana expressed a lot of concern about the fact that so many people in her circle knew about this story, but it really hadn't seen the light of day. That's right. People should be outraged. It's a cover-up, plain and simple. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I wonder, like, if people are willing at higher levels from all over the place to actually cover this up, how deep does it go? Well, here's my question. What have they done to prepare for future attacks? This could happen again. Absolutely. It could happen at any time. Our next piece was originally intended to be a human interest story, a feel-good story about some contest winners. You know those Sobeys Safeway score and win contests, yeah? Yeah, for those of you who don't know, um, Safeway and Sobeys has a, has a contest uh, in several Canadian cities. And if you purchase something at one of those stores, you're entered into a contest. And if a player for the home team scores a goal, you get a prize. Yeah, so it's $25 for one goal, which is pretty small, but it can really get lucrative. Uh, for five goals, you can win a million dollars. And this actually happened not that long ago when Patrick Laine popped five goals in the game. So the goal was to track down some of these winners and see how their lives had changed. Uh, the first name on our list was a woman named Dawn Fengler, and unfortunately we had a really tough time finding her. Uh, the trail went cold, so we enlisted the services of our intrepid reporter Connor Morrison, and he had a few connections, and he was able to track down a P.O. box registered to this Dawn Fengler. And this P.O. box was located in Buckhorn, Ontario. Yeah, so that's Connor's neck of the woods. He decided to, to drive down there and see if he couldn't find something out about her. Um, but he kind of hit a bit of a dead end. So he decided to have a drink in the Lock Stop Cafe there, which I guess is a bit of a spot. And uh, he was approached by a man who slipped a piece of paper on his table. The piece of paper contained the names of two other women, one Barb Gilroy and a Patty McGowan. Uh, a quick internet search revealed that both of these women had actually won different contests. You know those ones at the intermission where you shoot a puck from the center ice line yes. into a really small hole? 
Well, they yep. were both past winners of these events. Yeah, but interestingly, they were not anywhere near Buckhorn, Ontario. One was in Carolina in 2012, and the other one was in Minnesota a couple years later in 2014. So the next logical step was to find these women and get some answers. Uh, he searched and, well, he did find a couple P.O. boxes. Guess where they were? Buckhorn. Buckhorn, Ontario. Three P.O. boxes in Buckhorn, Ontario for three separate women who had all won rather lucrative prizes. Coincidence? Well, it's not a coincidence if you know that Buckhorn is located very close to Scugog Island. Now, for those of you that don't understand the significance of that, Scugog Island is actually the headquarters of the Brotherhood of the Blade, which is the shady organization that's been pulling the strings in the NHL for over a century now. That's right. More than a century. These guys have controlled who wins, who loses, who gets all the money. Yeah, this sinister organization was exposed in our last episode of Unmasked. So the question we kept coming back to was... Why is the Brotherhood of the Blade interested in such frivolous hockey competitions? And how are these three women connected to each other? So we started with the latter question. We thought it would be easier to answer. And we discovered after a little research that these three women all worked for the same advertising agency in the late 1990s. Yeah, they'd all appeared in a series of infomercials that had run across the country. Uh, and that agency was actually run by a man named Don Voss. Now, why is Don Voss important here? Well, Don Voss is actually the brother-in-law of Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly, who is known as one of the most influential members of the Brotherhood of the Blade. Yeah, one of the Grand Wizards, I've heard. Yeah, he's right up there with Gretzky. So Don Voss is the chief financial officer of this advertising company. And uh, we were able to find out that he has offshore bank accounts all over the place. Panama, Cayman Islands, Monaco, uh, Malta. Yeah, so he's the money man, and this is how they're funneling money. So big corporate donors that don't want to be associated with this Brotherhood of the Blade, but want to get in on the action because it's a very lucrative uh, racket they've got going. This is how they get money to where they want it to go. But how are they able to manipulate these intermission miracle shots? Yeah, I mean, on the surface of it, you would think this is like a really low percentage shot. How could you control this? And well, John? Well, yeah, I mean, we found out that they've been using a lot of the money that they've accrued over the years to develop a remote control puck. And I think they were, they've been testing it out in these intermission games. And uh, who knows what uh, they've been planning to use it for. Oh, I think the end game is going to be rigging games in a more sophisticated manner. They won't have to pay off referees anymore. That's right. They've been on it all along, and now they're just getting better and better at it. Yeah, it'll give a whole new dimension to the term puck luck. And hopefully with a little luck, we can untangle this sordid web and expose the Brotherhood of the Blade for what they are. So stay tuned. We're going to keep digging. Casinos. Blowing up social media. Your Sims use it. Stein's Ketchup. The first official real side product from the virtual world. Stein's 
<laughs> you got steins on there? We're back. Thank you very much to our sponsor, Steins Ketchup. Yeah, Mark, I see a little stain there on your shirt. Uh, you got steins on that? Well, the one you just pointed at is actually uh, barbecue sauce, but there's another one just below here oh, that geez. is indeed steins. So, yeah, it's a laundry day. What can I say? Our next segment is Ask the Commish. Sorry, sorry, what was the question? I would totally veto that. What kind of league are we running here anyways? I'll have to consult the rule book on that one. Remember the trade guidelines. Can we get some friendly questions here? You guys have got to dress your players. Got to dress your players. Dress your players. Here we go. This is everybody's favorite segment. You can ask Commissioner Jeff Rollman anything you like. If you want to get a question in last minute, you can email us at rodlangwayfanclub at gmail.com or send us a tweet at rodlangwayfanclub. So, Mr. Mark Cecnino, what do we got up there first? Well, we have an email here from uh, Steve O.T. Uh, he says, and his name actually is kind of curious it's o apostrophe t e a okay and it's funny though because it's a question about overtime Interesting. three on three ot is great but i'm not a fan of the shootout what do you guys think of the current system yeah well thank you very much steve for the question i have to say i was not really down with the three on three when they first mentioned it but now i've really grown to love it i think it's great and anything that avoids the shootout is okay in my book yeah, so what are some ways do you think we could uh, modify it a little bit so the shootout wouldn't have to be necessary? Well, I would say that, you know, maybe if we just extended it, if we were to extend it maybe two or three minutes, um, just make it a little bit longer, I think most of the games would be decided within that overtime period, and we would almost have no use for the shootout anymore. Would, hmm. would you So after the overtime expired, would you go to the shootout still, or would you call it a tie? Yeah, you, you know, I guess I would still go... I would probably still go to the shootout. I'm pretty old school. I actually never minded a tie. I know that I'm a minority, but uh, I would probably still go to the shootout after seven or eight minutes, yeah. three on three. Fair enough. What do you guys think? I'm, I'm just not sure the NHLPA would approve playing even more hockey. It's already a really long season, and you know, you're know you tired at the end of a game. Injuries are more likely to happen. I don't know if you guys remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, Dylan Larkin pulling up and hurting his oblique muscle, chasing the guy down at the end of overtime. So I'm just not sure that the players would go for it. Yeah, fair enough. But, uh, you know, I have kind of a wacky idea. Do which you I, know? Yeah, well, You're I think a wacky be, guy. I, I sure am. I think it would be kind of fun. Um, so start off overtime. Do four minutes of four on four like they did several years ago. They yeah. had the four on four, which, you know, I kind of enjoyed back mm-hmm. back then. Yes. Um, after four minutes of four on four, you go to three minutes of three on three. Okay. You can I see, see where, where this is going. Yeah. 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 Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> after that, you go two minutes, two on two, which would just be crazy. And then, wow. of course, you got to take it all away. One minute, one on one. And if you can't get it done, then I think it just goes to a tie. That I mean, is that would be bonkers, pathetic. John. Yeah, but wouldn't it be fun? It probably would be fun. I mean, could you imagine one-on-one Sidney Crosby versus Alexander Ovechkin? <laughs> oh, man. For the, for the game winner? Can be, that much hate be contained on one ice, surf, ice it, surface? I think it'd be great. Yeah. I like that idea, but I don't know. I, I kind of like the way things are now. I'm just going to go by the old mantra of if it, it ain't broke, don't fix it. Keep it the way it is. I think most of the games now are being settled in three-on-three overtime. And I don't know about you guys, but if I'm on NHL.TV or watching games surfing around, if I see a game is about to go to overtime, I just leave where I'm watching and I just jump right to overtime because it's amazing Pretty action. Yeah, and most fun. of the games get resolved now. There are some shootouts still, but I think the number of shootouts has been reduced to the point where it's not a huge problem anymore. Yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. Hope that answers your question there, Steve. 
All right, John, so what do we have next? Uh, next here, we have an email from Carol Kane. Uh, okay. Kane with a K, that is. All right. Yeah. Uh, she writes, There's been a lot of controversy about how the Carolina Hurricanes have been celebrating home victories. Is it okay to put a little bit of mustard on the hot dog after a big win or a great play? Yeah, this has been uh, spoken about quite a lot recently. That's right. It is in the news. Thanks for the question, Carol. Um, I'm a little bit of a traditionalist. I don't really like over-the-top celebrations very much. Um, so I'm not really a fan, although, let's be honest, I mean, they play in Carolina. Yeah. Uh, they don't have a lot going on. I, I kind of want to say just go for it, have fun, especially if it gets fans interested in, in talking about that team. Yeah, it's generating some buzz, and I guess the kids must like it. People seem to enjoy it. So, you know. well, Don Cherry's got a bee in his bonnet over it, but mm. uh, what's, what else is new? He's never really happy about anything these days, is he? <laughs> That's right, and I know Brian Burke has spoke ill of it as well. Oh, another crusty old man weighing in. Big surprise. I mean, I would have to say if my Winnipeg Jets were doing it, you know, it's not really my thing. It's a little goofy. I would probably not want them to do it. You know, it's just, it's not my thing. Yeah. yeah but to each his own. I'm not going to sit here and I mean, they them. have been pretty creative. They've done this Duck Duck Goose celebration, right? They've they, also done a, a bowling celebration. They did a well. limbo the other day. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty goofy. I um, like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, hey, if you don't like me celebrating, don't lose to me. You know, yeah. like, to be fair, I'm kind of known for my over-the-top celebrations and being a horrible winner, so maybe that's kind of why I enjoy it. But uh, I don't know, if it puts more butts in the seats and gets people talking, then it's kind of doing its job, right? At the end of the day, it is a product as well as a sport. Yeah, that's true. And what do you guys think about just, like, you know, celebrations in general, say, after a goal? Well, I mean, personally, I, I would have to say... That uh, a celebration, if it's sort of out of pure joy, we all remember Theo Fleury's big celebration after that big game-winning goal he scored in the playoffs back in the day. Or he slid down the ice on his knees. Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you could see that was just pure excitement. He was ecstatic. Uh, I, I kind of dig that. But if it's one of these sort of contrived, premeditated celebrations like Alexander Ovechkin did where he, you know, pretended that the stick was on fire on the ice. And yeah, was too roast. hot to touch. Yeah. I don't know, man. You're a Winnipeg Jets fan. What about the Solani celebrations back in the day? Those were premeditated as well, weren't they? Uh, I don't know. I mean, the the one Solani celebration where he scored that, where he broke the record for most rookie goals, you know, obviously that's an iconic moment for me. I was just a little kid. Mm -hmm. I think if I saw that now, though, I wouldn't be a fan of it. Hmm. Do you guys like the Kuznetsov bird dance? I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. I kind of like it. Yeah. Um, what about back in the day when uh, Dave Tiger Williams or I think it was Ty Domi when they rode the stick after a goal? I did kind of like that just because it was Domi and he, you know, how many times did you see it? It was kind of a rare thing to see Ty, Ty Domi score a goal. You know, so it kind of made it special. Yeah, there's the old expression, act like you've been there before. But if you're Ty Domi, you've not really been there that many times. So I guess you got to milk it for all it's worth, right? Yeah, I would say just kind of keep it even keel. I don't mind a, a fist pump. Maybe uh, go by the benches and give everybody a high five. Even that one took me a while to warm up to, but that's about it. Blow a kiss to the crowd, maybe? No? Mm, too much? Maybe not. That what might be the line, then. Yager's salute? How about Yager's salute? Okay, I could live with that one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And Mark, what do we got? Uh, we have a tweet here from Sweet Pete. Pete, mm. Pete as in Peter or Pete Moss? Well, uh, I think it's the traditional short form of Peter, right. but uh, yeah, good question, John. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. So, what's so Pete yeah, the, Pete says uh, he tweets, Alex Ovechkin is flying at the all-time scoring charts. Do you think he could someday threaten Wayne Gretzky's record for goals? Ooh, thanks, Pete. No, though. Uh, I mean, 
if there's anybody in the game now that could, him, but no. Threaten, yes. Break, probably not. Okay. It's got to be our, our all-time shortest answer. Well, I think we got time for one more here. Mark, what do you have there? Oh, man, this is awesome. You guys are not going to believe who reached out to us. Is it uh, Leroy from Vegas? Better. Better than that. Oh, well, I hope it's not the Russians. Oh, please tell me not, not no, the I said Russians. better, not worse. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, oh, is it the man himself, Rod Langway? Oh, man, well, not quite that good, but, like, pretty good. Okay, well, okay. who is it? Let's hear it. It's Gritty. Gritty? Yeah, man. The gritty. mascot. Yeah, the mascot. Well, of course. Wow. He's more than a mascot. He's an icon now, this guy. He is. Gritty has taken the world by storm. What a mascot. I mean, the guy's been on, what, the Colbert Show, Jimmy Fallon. He's been on uh, Conan O'Brien, um, the John Oliver Show. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, what a rollout that they've done promoting this mascot. It's crazy. It's been a bit of a rough season for the Flyers, although recently they've been okay. But, I mean, Gritty alone makes it a winning season as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I would have to agree. I mean, he's even appeared in some political commentary. Uh, there was an what? article on, on Vox Media. Yeah, called, uh, it was something like Gritty's evolution from googly-eyed mascot to meme to leftist avatar or something like that. It was crazy. And it went all into like the socio-political ramifications of what he means. Well, that sounds like it's worth a read. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty, wow, yeah. people have way too much time on their hands. Yes. It's um, but, okay, Mark, what, what's, what's Gritty saying? Okay, well, um, pretty simple. Dear third-rate podcast, why no flyer love? You'll be laughing on the other side of your face. Heart gritty. Whoa, gritty I'm man. Not, I'm not sure, too <laughs> sure what to make of that. Well, I mean, he did end it with heart gritty, so that's not all bad, right? Uh, I don't know. It seems a little uh, foreboding to me. Yeah, I think that's just his way of saying hello. I don't think we should take it too seriously. I mean, no. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I can't believe those uh, big, beautiful eyes have any ill intent. Uh, it's hard to imagine, isn't it? Yeah. Well, well, maybe we can get him on the show and clear it all up next season. That would be great. Maybe hey, we can get Gritty on. Good call. Maybe we'll work on that. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll get our people in touch with his. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you had yourselves a time. Well, I, I, I hope you had yourselves a time. Hope you had yourselves a time. Hope, hope you had time. Time, time, time. time. You had, hope, hope you had yourselves. Hope you had, you had, tells of time, time. Well, I hope you had, you had, tells of time. Hope, time, hope, hope.